This week we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. That phrase at this time of year makes me think of Jesus as a baby, as a newborn, too young to move his head. Baby Jesus, ready for his baptism in a long, white, flowing gown with ornate detail, the sort of thing you might have seen in that triumphant scene from The Godfather. I imagine the family all dressed up and posing for a photo behind the baby and John the Baptist. They'll go out to brunch afterward, maybe to Chili's, maybe to Applebee's, who knows. (laughs) That is not what is happening today, right? Not by a long shot. Jesus is is an adult. He's in the ballpark of 30 years old. He's with a big group of people out in the countryside, in the wilderness. They have wandered out there to learn from John. John, this wild teacher, eater of locusts, aficionado of camel hair. John baptizes people in the Jordan River. I do think we take that term for granted, that idea, baptism. This was something a little bit weird at the time. This is is a time when everything was centered on the temple. So for folks to be out in the wilderness doing this different thing is, is, is weird. Baptized or baptizo or baptizane to immerse or dip in water. John is immersing people in the water, more in the style of a brother, where art thou, than say the Godfather. And this is a wild river. It's not a class five, but it is a flowing river. It's not, you know, it's not child's play. And it's not just any river. It is the river. It is the Jordan. The river that marked the entrance to the holy land. It is the border. It is the border. At this time, in this country, we need to consider that relationship. This is the port of entry for the Israelites into the promised land after wandering in the desert. That's sweet. After wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, this is the place where they cross the border. It is the place where, as we sang this morning, Elijah was taken up by a chariot of fire where the heavens opened and carried Elijah home. Where Elisha received his double portion of Elijah's mojo. Elijah's mantle. Here are Jesus and John where Elijah and Elisha had been. Again, the heavens are opened. Fire, spirit, dove descends. And then we get the voice. You are my son. Beloved, with you I am well pleased. Second 
person familiar. You, too, Habibi, Habibti, you are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Nobody even knows that it's coming yet. Nothing has happened. Jesus hasn't done anything. But Jesus is loved before he has done anything. Before he's done anything to say, deserve it, as we like to think about. This is what we call grace. It is a gift undeserved. In the church, we describe baptism as a sacrament, an outward and visible symbol of an inward and spiritual grace. An outward and visible symbol of the love that we do not earn, but that is an intrinsic part of our relationship to the divine. One of my favorite things over the last couple months, last two months to be exact, uh, in the last two months I've had a newborn baby in my household, which is so much fun and so tiring, but lots of fun too. But one of my favorite things in the midst of all that chaos is baby bath time. It's so sweet, baby bath time. We've got this little like tub thing. We we put him in, and it's got little like mesh. And he lays back in there, and he's all naked. And he and he loves he loves the water. You know, we make it nice and warm for him. But he's in there, and he just looks up at us and smiles. And sometimes he goes, "Oh, those little noises are so sweet." And those moments fill me up with love. They fill me up. And remind me that there was never a time when I did not love this child. There was never a time. And Amos didn't do anything for, in order for me to love him. It is a gift, and it's a gift to both of us. It's a gift, really, I definitely feel it for me. I hope it, he feels it someday. It's this gift to both of us that can never be taken away. It is love eternal. Love unconditional. That is how Jesus is loved. That is how we are loved. That is how we are called to love. When there's a baptism in the Episcopal Church, the people recite the baptismal covenant which is a series of questions about the God-love life. It ends with a zinger, my favorite question. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Will you respect the dignity of every human being? What an incredible goal to see dignity of everyone you meet and to honor it. As we read from Isaiah today, this bit, we want to live into this bit. You are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. 
my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. I love you. I love you all. The dignity of every human being. It might seem like a lofty task to love every child of God. But we know that it is possible. We know that it is possible to love others because we have been loved ourselves. My mentor in the priesthood, the Reverend Jimmy Bartz, the namesake of our second son, has a phrase that he often pairs with the passing of the peace. First we were loved, and now we love. First we were loved, and now we love. That is our task. Hold On a second, you say. What about the first part of today's gospel reading? The one who is more powerful than I will baptize you with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. The chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. (laughs) Believe it or not, these tasks loving as we have been loved and separating the wheat from the chaff are part of the same activity they are one and the same this is not about saving good people and burning bad people wheat and chaff are part of the same plant right the chaff is the husk surrounding the seed. It's the bit that protects the seed. Because humans cannot digest chaff, that part of the grain is separated out. But livestock can eat it and is often plowed into the soil for agricultural benefits. It is also, and has for a long time, also been burned for agricultural benefit. Have you guys ever seen this? Have you ever seen people burning fields for agricultural benefit? Yes, slash and burn. You're familiar. So, why does John refer to the chaff being consumed by unquenchable fire? Why does John seem so angry when he describes this process? Because John respects the dignity of every human being. He is saying that anything that stands in the way of dignity needs to go. John is not shy about that. He's tired of anything that would hurt people. He wants to burn off anything that would keep us from loving one another. Burn it off. There's an old Latin phrase that theologians use for this sort of chaff-sorting behavior, the sort of behavior that we want to burn off. The phrase is incurvitas in se. It simply means curved in on oneself. Curved in on oneself. Curved in on oneself rather than oriented outward to God and neighbor in curvitas and curvitus in say. In his lectures on Romans, 
Martin Luther described how this inward curve prevents us from living fully into the grace that we talked about earlier. He described, and I'm paraphrasing, how some would say, great, I am loved, I'm all done. That's all I needed to do. I need to recognize that I'm loved and I don't need to do anything else. Check. Box. But the fullness of grace is that outward focus. First we were loved. Now we love. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Because that is what love does. It starts as a seed and it grows, not unlike a seed of wheat. It grows into something that is beyond itself. It starts in one place, like a bathtub in Santa Barbara or the side of a river in the ancient Near East, and spreads out into the whole world. So that one day, a group of people in Isla Vista who have felt that love like the baby in the water, learn to respect the dignity of every human being, of everyone and everything around them. And in doing that, they transform the world. Amen.